In the 1920s, the richest people per capita in the world were members of the Osage Nation in Oklahoma, the Osage Indian tribe. They found oil underneath their reservation. And because of legislation that was passed, the Osage Indians ended up with the rights to sell leases on their land. And the big oil magnets came to Oklahoma to buy those leases. Well, those head rights, as they were ultimately called, because the wellheads were placed in those areas, made it very, very lucrative to be an Osage at that time. Turns out, so much so that the Osage were ended, uh, were being chauffeured in automobiles. They built mansions. They sent their kids to study in Europe. They had so much money that they frankly didn't even know what to do with all of it. However, what ultimately started happening was the Osage Indians began to be killed off. The family of one Osage woman named Molly Burkhart became a prime target. One of her relatives was shot. Another one was poisoned. And that was just the beginning as more and more of the Osage were dying under mysterious circumstances. And many of those who dared to even look into the killings were themselves murdered too. The death toll continued to rise, and ultimately, the newly created Bureau of Investigation, which would become the FBI, and its young director, J. Edgar Hoover, turned to a Texas Ranger by the name of Tom White. And Tom White was called in to unravel this mystery. And he put together an undercover team. He put together a Native American agent to infiltrate the region. And together with the Osage, they began to expose what was one of the most chilling conspiracies in American history. David Gran is the author, G-R-A-N-N, of the book, which is haunting and yet at the same time, fascinating. It's discouraging, yet at the same time, informative. Killers of the Flower Moon, the Osage Murders, and the Birth of the FBI is David Grand's book. Now, what Grand does in the book is he breaks it down into sort of three chronicles, three parts. And Grand looks at um, three different ways of telling the story. One of them is from the perspective of Molly. And Molly is one of the Osage, Molly Burkhart, who is married to a white man. But because she is Osage, she has the rights to the oil. And as a result, the lease money that's coming in to her is making her very wealthy. Yet, she is married to a white man. 
And the only way that somebody outside of the Osage can possibly have any way to do uh, to, to get that money is if it is left to them in a will. But the reality is that there are a lot of people who are taking advantage of the Osage in another way. This was in the 1920s. And so there were people who their job, because these were Indians who did not have full rights and didn't even have full citizenship, that the reality was that they put people there to look after their estates and then would dole out money to them. Well, these people ended up taking advantage of many of the Osage and stealing from the Osage and conniving to, in some cases, murder them for these rights, the head rights to the oil that was out there. David Grand takes a look at one family, a woman who had a couple of sisters who were murdered and other friends murdered and basically went through the fact that they were Native Americans, that their tribal lands were basically parceled out by the government to encourage both the lands and the culture. And then Osage basically negotiated for those mineral rights in Oklahoma. And before you knew it, there were people like the Gettys, who were there trying to put together the leases for that land. They were dying. They were dying under suspicious terms. Many of them poisoned. Some of them shot and killed. It really is a fascinating way that David Grant tells this story because it reads more like a murder mystery than it does as a uh, history book. I mean, you talk about Trail of Tears, which is what many people think about the Native Americans being relocated from one place to another. But the reality here is that the actions of some of the most depraved people in the country, uh, it's, it's hard to comprehend. What people did to get their hands on money that belonged to these Osage landowners and to steal the mineral rights of some of the richest oil producing reserves in the world at that time is gut wrenching. One of the great perpetrators in the whole thing was a man named William Hale. And while he said that he was a dear friend of the Osage, he was anything but. And so the story talks about Molly's family and how Hale is involved in the murder of a number of them. And it also then goes on to talk about Tom White, who became an early FBI agent and a Texas Ranger. And it also talks about a journalist who many years later, even after Hale had been convicted and put in jail, it says that there was more to be done because there were things that even the FBI at that point did not solve. It has become an amazing movie. I've not seen the movie yet because I wanted to read the book first, and now I'm excited to see the movie. But the book is called Killers 
of the Flower Moon by David Gran. And the thing that I found so fascinating about it is it tells the story from multiple perspectives, from the perspective of a victim, from the perspective of an investigator, from the perspective of somebody who was reporting on it and writing about it a hundred years later, and how all three were intertwined, even though in some cases they never met each other and were separated by dozens, if not hundreds, of years. Fascinating read. Absolutely fascinating read. David Grant's Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, I just can't say enough about it. And again, like I said, heartbreaking that people would be so conniving as to steal from the Osage because they had something that other people wanted so desperately, and that was the oil that was underground. That's Rick's reading list for this Monday, the 11th day of December. Killers of the Flower Moon, David Gran on Rick's reading list.